0: To Catholic stuff you should know, a J Ten initiative.
1: All right, welcome to Catholic stuff you should know. This is Father Sean and Father John. Good to be with you, buddy. You
0: too. We. Uh, I just panicked um, looking at the weather forecast <laughs> because I don't think I have ever. I've lived in Colorado uh, for thirty-two years. That's a time. I don't time. think I have ever seen. I've opened up a ten ten day forecast
1: <laughs> that seen is.
0: ten days of rain.
1: I know. Forty percent, forty percent, fifty percent. It's yeah. it's crazy. And this is
0: what this is what spring is like for most places, I think. You know, yeah, we've had a wet actually wet spring. Get, it's been amazing. So beautiful green, uh wet uh Sunday afternoon here in uh Colorado. We're very happy about it. Yeah. And still getting snow in the mountains. Yeah. That's wild. I got a um, photo from Barbara and Steve Golder out there in mm. cabin and where I'm going on a retreat in a week. And uh, Wilson's just got hammered with snow. That's crazy because I'm hoping to climb those in July.
1: Yeah, they'll be good by July. I hope so. It's, only, yeah, it's only the beginning of June. so Otherwise, it will be more snow climbing. <sighs> yep, that's true. Little Bear was great. I can't believe you recorded on that with Mike and not me.
0: Yeah, why did I do that?
1: Because you were... What were you talking about? Your letters to the Colorado Trail or from the Colorado Trail?
0: I think I, I, think I didn't have a topic... And uh, that's, <laughs> which is not a, not a rare thing for Mike and I, uh, but that is true. That was kind of uh, ridiculous because you were my companion on that one. And what a, what an adventure that was, man. That was great. I'm losing this toenail. It's not because of the little bear hike. It's because of the Grand Traverse. But every, all of these little toenails are coming off one by one. The second one's already gone. This is disgusting. We're talking about it. But <laughs> it's at this tenuous spot where... Every time it hits, it, it's pulling it off, Does but it it's not
1: ready to go. Yeah. So I, it's very, very touchy. Very, I've lost a few toenails before, and they're really painful when they yeah. grow back in. Yeah. Because if, you don't, if they don't grow in the right spot, then that's where you get like ingrown toenails and stuff. Yeah, I'm definitely going to lose the big guy, uh, but I can't lose it too early because we're not ready yet. And so
0: it keeps hitting on things. It's just like... <laughs> <laughs> so if I scream in the middle of the podcast, I'm going to try and not... Obviously move around here, keep the toenails <laughs> all on there. Were your
1: boots too small or what happened?
0: You know, I spent hours and hours and hours uh, in the shop working on the boots of the guys, getting them fitted, doing all the adjustments and I somebody just told me they're just like when you ski for fifteen hours straight, your feet are just gonna be destroyed. Yeah. That's just what you're gonna do. So Yeah, that's fair. But Yeah. So there it is. The toenails.
1: The so, toenails. Yeah. So school's out, jump all the great lords, things slowing down for you uh i mean yes and no things slow down in the sense of like there's there's a couple of less meetings on the calendar a couple less things to do uh but the parish still runs right we still have daily mass every day uh we have one less daily mass since we don't have mass for the high school right now um but other than that yeah it's kind of normal summer father brian my pastor is about to go to the holy land um so things kind of ramp up in the sense when he's gone yeah uh two priests covering two parishes instead of three priests so
0: but it's good yeah, the, I'm trying to think when this podcast will come out. It's going to be into the summer. We're 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 kind of blitzkrieging um, through recording uh, this week because everybody is kind of going in different directions here pretty soon. Right. Um, I feel like I'm the only companion not going abroad. Uh, <laughs> everybody's summer. everybody's going international somewhere. Are you yeah, you're going to. I'm going to World, World Youth day, day with Deacon Jake. With Deacon Jake, um, and uh, Rap is going on a 30 day silent retreat, which is amazing, but uh, not abroad but not abroad he wanted to go to somewhere nuts like indonesia or he had some weird <laughs> connection but it did not come together so he's going to california that's um, right yeah and then I, i'll be on retreat and then kind of heading in the mountains so um yeah so it's good to,
1: good to be together get into it dive into it so that's right great well shall we let's do it all right topic for today i was going to record this with father mike but we wound up recording on the Tetragrammaton instead. <laughs> I saw that. That was one of the first ones we ever did. That was like a five-minute episode. Yeah, back when they were very simple and short. Now we've like quadrupled. More than that, we've like tenfold. They're still simple, but they're, yeah, they're just long extended. Long and extended. Um, so I was thinking about we could talk about friendship, and I thought today is a good day for that anyways because today is what Sunday? Trinity Holy Trinity, the solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity, right? And uh, that's a friendship, right? It's a friendship of, of persons, ultimately a communion of persons. Yeah. And um, I don't know, I've been reflecting a lot on friendship lately because in the companions, we would call ourselves friends. Uh, but one of the lines in our rule that's always kind of struck me is, um, <laughs> which we have talked extensively about, uh, the companion desires a, what is it, a particular relationship with each member of the companions. Yeah. Uh, which is an intriguing line. Particular friendship. Yeah. Um,
0: before we go into that, do you know my sto- the story of my first homily from Trinity Sunday? No, I don't. I'm sure I've told this on the podcast. I was in Mexico with Gobel, and we were not priests. Um, and we were just sitting in the pews, and we were seminarians. And as you know, languages are not my forte. Uh, I am really <laughs> bad at them. It takes unbelievable uh effort uh to to try and acquire any bit of it whatsoever so spanish like all the languages i've studied all seven of them uh comes just very very slowly to me so this is like the first week we're in mexico uh literally because it was the beginning of the summer um and i'm sitting in the pews and the priest calls me out of the pews (laughs) to give a homily in spanish he thought it was really funny to
1: do this you know the story i don't know
0: and uh it just
1: reminds me of mexico because i had similar things it's
0: ridiculous like so i walk up in front of a thousand mexicans to give a homily on the holy trinity in spanish off the cuff and i just the first thing that came to mind i just said it and i just said la la trinidad is un gran misterio gracias and i sat down and everybody applauded i just said the trinity is a great mystery and uh, i got a round of applause so it was really funny so but it is, it's a great mystery. It's the mystery. It's, it's the, the central, mystery. central mystery of the faith. Uh, and I think I was preaching about this this morning not we're not talking about the Trinity, um, but uh, just if you'll permit me for a minute, sure. Um, it's really fitting that we celebrate the Feast of the Holy Trinity the week after Pentecost, mm-hmm. because Pentecost is the completion of God's self-disclosure. And so the first thing that we do, having marched through the entire liturgical year, all of salvation history, concluding with the founding of the church uh, in, a, in, a, in a new way uh, at Pentecost, is our first moment is uh, to reflect on now the totality of God's self-disclosure, which we call Trinity, mm. um, which, as you said, is a, is a communion, is a, fr- is a kind of friendship uh, of agape, of profound and um, self-giving love. So anyways, I just think it's it's really kind of, it's not just, sometimes it feels random liturgically when we do these things, but it's actually really intentional. And this is the the
1: best. For a dogmatic theologian, this is the best. (laughs) Trinity Sunday. That's right. Trinity and uh, incarnation, right? Those are kind of the two central mysteries of the faith. Um, God revealing himself and then God becoming man. So these are probably the two highest sciences in dogmatic theology, you would say, right? Yep. Yep. So, Trinitarian Theology and Christology, which we have our resident, are you a Christologian? (laughs) Christologist? Christologist. I am not
0: a Christologist. Uh, It's funny, these titles and these things. I mean, you've studied just as much Christology as I have. Sure. But it is true. And I think that, you know, I was just with this beautiful family, um, and I... uh, this is very unlike me, but I just like got kind of I don't know, I was just like we got to form these kids. Mm-hmm. We got to give them experiences of God that they're going to remember. So after this was at the seminary, I called up all the, just the kids after mass and I brought them up into the sanctuary and we just knelt before the the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. And it's such a beautiful, you know, huge chapel. Right. And I just talked to them about the Trinity and invited them to pray about, you know, what what's their what's God calling them to do, but the Trinity and the Incarnation, this is the the foundation points of everything. Um, we have to kind of ground them in this. Hmm. And it can't just be ideas. It has to be a real a lived experience, knowledge of the heart. Um, so anyways, we're just like struck by that this morning of like, um, if we don't experience friendship with God, the
1: faith is not going to take, hmm. period. And yes. there's no such yes. thing yes, as sir. friendship with God without that. So. <clears throat> Absolutely. Great. Well, what I was thinking of doing is, <clears throat> Excuse me. Maybe walking through kind of an overview of friendship from the natural realm, which would be uh, Aristotle, and then we can move into Aquinas' definition from from Father Onhill, uh, and kind of close with that. Excellent. Um, from Moral Theology Ten, as Rap would say. <laughs> That's right. Um, I on my ordination card, right? So when priests get ordained, we make a card with an image on one side, and then usually um, our name on the back side with you know, maybe a scripture passage, uh, the day, etc. cetera. On my, I have St. Maximilian Colby. He's my confirmation saint. And then I have, uh, John fifteen fourteen or something like that. But where Jesus says, uh, greater love than this has no man than to lay down his life for his friends. Uh, right. And then, then Jesus goes into, I no longer call you slaves, but I call you friends like Jesus wants to be our friend. God wants to be our friend. Um, and certainly we can make that like a kind of weird seventies, like Jesus is a friend of mine. I don't know if you know that oh, YouTube yeah, video. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, Jesus is a friend. friend.
0: Of mine. Jesus is my friend. Yeah.
1: yeah. The ridiculous stuff. Um, but when we really meditate on that, like God wants to be your friend and throughout the history of world religions, right? God does not become man. Um, And God does not uh, befriend man, because in a sense, at least platonically speaking, matter is is evil. And why would God take on flesh? Why would God take on matter if matter is bad? Uh, The God, our God, the Christian God, uh, the God of the universe, uh, creates matter, and therefore matter is good, and therefore he wants uh, to come and dwell, dwell with us, which again is the incarnation, and then make friends with us, um, to become one with us. So the purpose of creation is friendship. Um, that's one aspect I, I would say.
0: It's interesting to think about that. Yeah, that's kind of what you just said. Yeah, communion is what we'd call it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure you'll delineate that. But that's just that's just a very interesting thing to think about. That the Rocky Mountains, the trees outside of this. Um, Outside of this window here um, all of creation is made for for love for friendship mm. um, but of course these words uh, are emptied of their deep significance right in our modern day correct uh, love friendship
1: these things you know right so so what is friendship Aristotle uh, gives three degrees of friendship and so have you guys recorded on this before you know I don't know <laughs> probably this is like five hundred eightieth or five number 580 podcast or whatever it is. I think that uh,
0: if we have it's been a long time I'm sure we have um, and and it's wasn't with you so it's going to be
1: good. great so um, so Aristotle, the three degrees of friendship at the bottom level we have the friendship of utility. Friends who are useful to each other, right? We utilize each other. This is still a friendship, Aristotle says. It's just not the highest degree of friendship. It's the lowest degree. Uh, But we all have friends that are useful to us, right? Uh, Father John is a great climber. He was useful to me to get to the top of Little Bear, right? We have a a useful friendship. Or maybe um, your mailman, right? Your mailman brings you mail. That's a kind of type of friendship. Like he's useful to you. Uh, for the sake of bringing your mail. And uh, I don't know, maybe you're useful for, to him. Uh, but that's a friendship of utility. Yeah, and we think that's... Th- this is a good thing,
0: right? We, Correct. Like, um, we oftentimes think of utility as... Sorry, I'm trying not to sneeze into the, I gotta, um God bless you. Yeah. We think of, uh, oh, I'm using people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, no, it's actually not. Um, it, it's, you know, I, I think about my... Working relationship with Darcy, who's my assistant, whom I am very grateful for. Uh, there's a friendship there, but um, we don't vacation together, right. you know, with her family. Uh, these kind of things, like it's a it's a friendship of utility. We have a mission. We we share our life, and it's a real friendship, mm-hmm. and that and it's beautiful. But it's it's
1: it's it's specific, and it, but it's not less. I guess that's the point. So correct, yeah, yeah. And then the the next degree of friendship, according to Aristotle, as you hinted at, would be the friendship of pleasure. Now every degree of friendship, uh, so we're kind of, we are moving up in that sense. Like, so if you have a degree, if you have a friendship of pleasure with someone, you still are useful to each other. Like the lower forms, the lower degrees of friendship encompass in the higher forms or degrees of friendship. So what is a friendship of pleasure? Uh, things, uh, friends who, uh, maybe do things together, vacation together, have fun together. And certainly there's a sense of use there but there's also or or useful but there's also the sense of yeah having fun together so the example that dr susan selner wright said in class uh for me what eight or nine years ago she said uh maybe this is your dancing buddy you love to go dancing you have uh pleasure you find pleasure in going dancing but past that there's no great deal of friendship other than having fun together and doing fun things together yeah you think of like the way that a lot of guys
0: relate of just like like, we're going to watch the Nuggets game tonight. Because hmm. the Nuggets are amazing. Right. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. We will, We could do a whole podcast on that. Um, but,
1: uh, yeah. With the boys, you're hanging out. It's good time. Right. And I think this is often where I personally use the word buddy a lot. I'm uh-huh. Like, my buddy, my, my climbing buddy, my... Um, Biking buddy, my cycling buddy. Right, we use the word buddy at least as dudes uh, to kind of delineate like this is a friendship of of pleasure, uh, and that's not a bad thing either, right? Like these are guys that um, you do fun things together, and that's good, and that's healthy, and that's normal. Yeah, I mean, I think of like um, we all have
0: friends like that. We Garrett Cook would be an example of like mm-hmm. I'm going to see Garrett when we're climbing right or drinking beer right at a brewery uh and uh which I did do with him last week good congratulations his, to him with, with his, his, new his fiance. fiance yep we're going to see less of him i don't know if he knows that hmm. he was on our little bear climb but that's a da- yeah that's an example of like
1: yeah so to the third to the third and this is the highest degree this is the most important again uh utility and pleasure are still included in this highest degree what aristotle calls uh the friendship of virtue a virtuous friendship and this is he, what he means by that is essentially is you're friends with someone for the sake of the other of leading them into deeper virtue and of leading yourself into deeper virtue. Right. So Aristotle goes as far to say, right, happiness is he who lives the virtuous life. In order to be happy, you have to be virtuous. You have to have good habits. You have to develop these these concrete virtues. Maybe we could a different time do a podcast on virtue. Uh, and why they're important and what are the virtues. Uh, but essentially, the, virtu- the the degree of friendship, the highest degree, this friendship of virtue, virtuous friendship uh, by which you're diving to the depths of leading each other um, yeah, to be better, the best versions of yourself, if I can steal that phrase. Best version of yourself,
0: Matthew Killing. <laughs> I, and those are once, twice, in a lifetime. Right, maybe three times. Aristotle does say that, that's right. When I was your age... <laughs> uh when I was in my late 20s, yes. You're still in your late 20s, right? Correct. I kind of thought everybody is going to be uh a tr- uh, ver- uh, true friendship, the third mm. kind. Um I basically just kind of thought everybody's going to kind of we're going to elevate up to this. Uh and as I get older you you just realize how uh how rare it is. Mm. How how it, it is a it's a true rarity um to have that third quality of friendship which is once in a lifetime. You know, my hope is that married couples have that kind of friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that is, uh, yeah, you're either going to become best friends or you're going to be worst enemies from, from my experience of working with, marriage, uh, with married couples. Um, and so some of these things are dynamic in the sense that they're building over a lifetime. But, you know, people come and go. My mom, whenever I get in a little tight or difficult spot in relationships, she always says the same thing to me. And it's great. She's so Aristotelian. She doesn't even realize it. She always says, John, there are friends for a reason, <laughs> friends for a season, and friends for a lifetime. I was like, Well, Aristotle's three friendships. So there you go. she kind of pulled that out of Minnesota folklore, whatever it was. <laughs> and um, but that's it. Reason, utility, season, pleasant, you know, because mm-hmm. it really is kind of seasonal. Mm-hmm. And then lifetime, lifetime friends. That's so, right.
1: Yeah, and I, I think you're absolutely right. Like typically and Aristotle says, like, the true virtuous friendships, we only have a few of those, a couple of those in our life. They're hard to find. Um, and you can only have them if you yourself are virtuous uh, because you're striving for that and you desire that for the other person. Um, yes, I would agree that. I, I hope married couples experience this where it's not just like uh, we've fallen in love because we, we have fun together and we do fun things together, but it's, but it's actually like, no, I make this person better and she or he makes me a better person, better in in the sense of virtue. Um, And and it is scary
0: when you're doing marriage prep and you're seeing a couple and you're like, Mm -hmm. "Mm, this is like a, you enjoy each other, there's pleasure. Mm -hmm. Like it's a pleasant friendship. Like they just really enjoy each other, but there's not that deeper substantial bond, which as you said is about, uh, this isn't a virtue. A virtue-based notion of relationship has largely fallen away. Like we don't we don't think and evaluate relationships in light of virtue because mm-hmm. uh, we don't even think about virtues because we've lost some kind of objective norm for good and evil because we're living in this the madness of post-modernity, but that's a whole other topic. Don't get me on my del noche. <laughs> uh, your diatribe, diatribe. But I do think that, uh, yeah, when you lose a sense of... The, the whole reason Aristotle... Aristotle's not just like riffing this out. He's He's evaluating it because... Utility, pleasure, and true friendships are grounded in the way that you share goods. Mm-hmm. The actual goods that you share, which will probably bring you now to your uh, Thomistic formulation. Sure. Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. you go
1: where you want, but that's the... yep, that is yeah. that is the next step. One, one quick intermediary step would just be there's different kinds of friendship as well. So we have the three degrees of friendship, but then the different kinds of friendship. Uh, there's fraternal friendships, friendships amongst, you know, fraternal meaning brothers, but also sisters... Uh, There's the conjugal friendship, of course, that spouses experience. Uh, There's a paternal, maternal, uh, also filial friendship. So I can have a real friendship with my dad. Uh, It's going to look different from a true friendship with uh, a brother uh, or someone my age, because my dad's going to relate to me like a father, and I'm going to relate to him like a son. But it's still a true friendship. And if it's true friendship, my dad is helping me grow in virtue. And hopefully as a son, I'm helping him grow in virtue. Probably mostly patience, <laughs> if we're honest. Right? Is that uh, Aristotle? Says it? I think this is Aquinas. Yeah, I um, think it's, yeah. Yeah. So you said
0: conjugal, fraternal, and uh, paternal, maternal? Yep, and then filial.
1: And then filial. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, which means son, right? Filius in Latin. Interesting. So those are the different kinds of friendship. But the point of that is just like oftentimes people in society will say like, uh, friends must be equals. Right. Maybe in age, maybe in... Um, like they're both CEOs, like the uh, degrees of, of you know level and workplace workforce, uh, but friends don't have to be equals in that sense. What they need to be equal in is their pursuit for virtue, right? And
0: sometimes they do change. You know, yep. Um, I think about your becoming a priest was mm-hmm. one of the most seamless kind of n- and natural shifts between filial. I was Father John. You were Sean the young the young, the young chach. Chach. uh and then you became father sean and we just became brothers and it was just very it was very natural right and it's felt that way ever since this is only deepening so yeah so there is but some people can't make that jump sometimes you know right when, when or when you get older and you become more of a, a peer to your father or mother or whatever it might be you know mm-hmm. it's not always it's not always easy but it's nice yeah. when it
1: when it transitions with life Yeah. Great. Uh, Maybe one story and then we can dive into the mystic part. Uh, Part of the reason why this has been on my mind um, is because a few weeks ago I was walking with one of the students at JPG and uh, I mean, these are all freshmen, but he's, he's such a good dude. I don't know if he listens to this podcast, but uh, right. He's thinking about being a priest. He's kind of discerning different things, Uh, but he's discouraged because he hasn't been able to make like good friends at the school. And that's just kind of maybe a struggle that he's had in part of his life and what he said to me is uh, I want a friend who are actually pursuing virtue together where it's not just like we go to class we mess around uh, and and he said something really interesting he's like I feel like uh, other people in my class and other people my age just aren't pursuing virtue and it's just like what do I do with that like how do I process this how do I find those right friends and I don't think I gave him great advice (laughs) because I don't really know Uh, I told him, you know, be patient, pray for it. I think the Lord wants to give you it. But then I talked to him about the three degrees of friendship. And I just said, uh, you will have true friends, but it may not come to later in your life. And you may only have one or two for your whole lifetime. And I think there's certain people who might be listening to this who are like, "Um, I have like 50 friends and we're all like best friends and we're all amazing. Uh, But is it a true friendship? If you were to move to the other side of the world, would you be able to remain friends? Uh, because I think those true friendships last for a lifetime. Yeah. And then there's other people who typically have one or two deep friendships. Um, and then they view everyone else as acquaintances almost, you know, and they could probably dive deeper into probably some more friendships out there. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty remarkable 14-year-old to be able to kind of <laughs> articulate that. Sure. Um,
0: and I think your advice is probably right on uh, of just telling him, you know, encouraging of just like, it's not always going to be this way. Everybody's trying to kind of figure out who they are in middle school, high school, through the twenties, mm-hmm. pushing forty. Uh, I guess we would never stop doing that, but um, I would also say like, and, and this is this is the other side of it is you know we we can't go to the opposite extreme and be so intense about like every conversation is this and it, you kind of kind of virtue develops in in within the naturalness uh, and safety of human relationships. It's not just like, I'm a project, you're a project, we got to be on this project together. Um, we do need to, and we there should be a kind of mutual self-reflection that's happening um, in a relationship, Yeah, where it's just like, like Father Brady Wagner and I just had a pretty intense conversation two days ago uh, about just kind of some cultural things that we're contributing to, both in the seminary and in the companions, and just it was really good. And if you don't have that, then it, it is going to kind of
1: degenerate. Um, but it's hard when you're 14 and you're, you mm-hmm. know, so. No, and that that's that's a very good point. It's not like a project of like, I need to force virtue on this person. It's it's still organic. And that's the beauty of friendship is, right? Like it's organic. And again, there the other degrees of friendship are still under it. Like it's still fun to be together. Even at times the virtue comes out of like, I need to have a hard conversation with this person. But this is going to make us, better for it yeah okay on to aquinas are you ready give me the aquinas all right dense uh i'll I'll probably need to say it a couple of times i'm surprised you don't have this memorized i do i just want to make sure i get every word right very good uh friendship is a mutually known habitual and reciprocal benevolence based upon a certain communicatio or communication of goods What are those goods? Mind, will, life, affections, and secrets. So again, friendship is a mutually known habitual and reciprocal benevolence based upon a certain communication of goods, mind, will, life, affections, and secrets. Cool.
0: I want to hear the, break this down. So mutual benevolence.
1: Yes. What does that mean? So benevolence, bene uh, valencia, um, so volition, so part of my will. Bene meaning good, so like to will the good of the other, right? Right, which is often what we call love. Love is to will the good of the other. However, in friendship, it's mutually known. It's reciprocal, meaning it can't just be I will your good. You also have to will my good, right? And we know that together. It's mutual. It's mutual. It's mutually known, and then again, it's reciprocal. Though good willing uh, towards each other arising from the communication of goods yes okay communication of goods so communicatio the reason why we leave it in latin is because uh communicatio is not just latin for communication but it's also latin for communion Mm. right so in the reading the second reading for today on trinity sunday uh the 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 outro or the final greeting that saint paul gives to the corinthians uh the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god and the we say this at Mass. Communion. Communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Uh, do you know the Greek word there? Koinonia. Nice. I'm proud of you. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, koinonia, right, which again is the, the translation that I have in my Bible is fellowship and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Koinonia means communion, though. And again, communication. It's a communicatio. It's, it's a, it's a um, friendship in that sense. We experience communion Uh, when we share these goods. So based on the communication of these goods. And the Holy Spirit
0: is the communion of the, is the love of the father and the son. It's not the fruit. It's not the love child, right? But it is the love, the communion itself. It's the bond. And it's so perfect that it is a person itself. And so, um, it's interesting to think about, um, I was writing on self-reliance yesterday and on, uh, Emerson's notion of that. Um, and how it's all just this kind of individualistic ethic that is just in us as Americans, especially out West. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sharing of goods is the bond, is the is the communion itself. Correct. So we don't want to give, you know, I was just with a family having brunch and the kids are fighting over whatever. It's just, this is what kids do. You, you instinctively don't want to share things, right? But also deep down, of course you do. And I think that's what's interesting to the list you just laid out at the the final part of it. I will the good of the other. I share the goods and, and have
1: communion in the goods itself, but those goods are? Mind, will, life, affections, and secrets. Yeah. So mind, uh, right, sharing of intellectual thoughts. We talk together. We talk about you know, our minds, like what's on our mind? What's on your mind? And of course, this can be um, the simple stuff, but I think it's also deep academic things. Uh, when we share our thoughts with the other, there's a bond of friendship that takes place. There was a beautiful conversation around the fire last
0: night after, uh, after Lord's day. And it was, it really was a communion of, of minds. I think just thinking deeply on, on these questions. Um, and I love that. I love when we do that. Mm -hmm. We don't always do that. Sometimes we kind of degenerate into the typical kind of clerical, uh, complaining and grumbling and these things, but, um, or talk about the weather or talk about the weather, (laughs) which is still shocking. Uh, today, um
1: so that was an example of that yeah. and then the second one's life uh will so mind will so will would be um, your your ability to choose right so uh, again to will the good of the other so if we're sharing in the communication of our wills we're desiring virtue for each other uh, sharing of virtue to do good things together so mind will then we have life sharing of life together I think this is partly the pleasurable friendships as well like we climb 14ers together we do fun things together like we want to share life together we want to do fun things together even if that means playing board games <laughs> i
0: was with father
1: matt book and he loves
0: board games we played viticulture have you played viticulture mm-hmm. not a bad game i actually enjoyed it yeah um usually they don't even teach me the rules and i just get throttled and by the time i'm just <laughs> it's over um but anyways um yes. father sometimes matt. you have to Sometimes the yeah. The 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 good that has to be shared is not ex- is the arduous good such as um board games. Board it's games. not always just
1: sweet climbing and rides. Father Matt does love board games. He's the he's the board game fiend that yeah, whenever we have companions gatherings, he's just like he texts the group, I'm gonna bring this game, this game, and this game. Who can bring this game? I'm like, I haven't even heard of half no these response, games. I know. Um, Do you think that true friendship is possible if you don't share
0: like if you don't recreate the same way or at least in similar ways
1: uh i still think it is possible okay yeah i think you're
0: right but my experience of friendship at least with the companions is that i spend time with the guys that i like and who we like the same thing Mm -hmm. we have
1: the same goods yeah yeah but again because the the degree of friendship is always under it so pleasure and utility is still under true friendship right um but it doesn't have to be in a certain sense. Um so like I don't know, maybe take you and um maybe Father Garonsky. I don't know how much you guys recreated together because uh right, he's he's older and so he may have not been able to climb yeah <laughs> tall peaks with you. Uh but you guys had a real friendship and yeah. especially sharing intellectual thoughts together, spiritual yeah. thoughts and and whatnot. That's true, that's a good example. Okay. Uh, So mind, will, life, uh, affections. So your passions, your emotions. um, Again, we should be doing this. Men tend to struggle with this a little bit more. Uh, However, when we do share them, we often feel a lot more closer bonded to the other person. Uh, And then the last one being secrets. Do you share your secrets uh, with other people? And uh, this definition from Aquinas, we could actually break down. I I should have done this. I didn't. But you could break down in the scripture and see where Jesus does this for for his apostles and for us. Uh, Jesus shares the secrets to his kingdom with us. Mm. Uh, Jesus shares his uh, emotions and passions with us. Uh, he shares life with us. He shares his will, uh, desiring our good, and of course, he shares his mind with us, teaching us. Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting one because
0: it is true. You know, this is what you do. You want to. You want to disclose the the deep places of the heart to the friend, um, the one that you and you want to. We naturally, instinctively, want to entrust ourselves to others. Like we're not really stable and complete in ourselves. And I'm not talking about this kind of platonic sense where I need the other half to mm. to fulfill me, but just in general, like we're so deeply relational um, that we we desire to in mutually indwell in the other hearts, resting in hearts wills minds united but literally in the other this ties into perichoresis uh, of course like everything does um but the secrets i just think that's a very i remember the first time i heard that from aquinas i was like yeah that's true that's interesting mm. um that we do desire that vulnerability might be the word that i would kind of draw all of those within mm. the self-disclosure uh of oneself especially around things you don't want to focus on um, I have two questions for you, which yes, are lar- larger and, uh, they're going to divert us. So
1: go ahead and continue on before I can ask those. Well, I think this is pretty much kind of wrapping it up. I think the, the questions that kind of flow from this is when Jesus says, um, I no longer call you slaves. I call you friends, uh, the Trinity. So maybe to drop back to the beginning, the Trinity, this, uh, right? Mutual indwelling. So they all dwell within each other, sharing of life together because they're a communion of persons. The Trinity then invites us as children, children of the Father, sons in the Son, and however we'd phrase that for the Holy Spirit, the Trinity invites us to share in the inner Trinitarian life as well. Uh, So we're also called to, in a certain sense, have a pericretic relationship with the Trinity. We're supposed to dwell within the Trinity, and the Trinity is meant to dwell within us. Um, And so the simple question is just like, are you friends with God? Do you will the good of him? Do you know his secrets? Do you tell God your secrets? Um, You know, one of the questions I was asked in my final interview when I was being accepted to seminary when I was 18 years old, (laughs) uh, 10 years ago, um, I think it was Bishop Jorge, Father Jorge at the time, he said, do you feel called to be a priest by the Father, Son, or Holy Spirit? I just thought that was a fascinating question. I don't think uh, I think I, I kind of know more of what he meant by that now. I don't think it was really a direct question of what it revealed. I think he was more asking, "Do you actually feel called, or are you? Do you just want to like do this out of guilt or obligation or something?" But I love that question because I think it's it's getting at the heart of, "Do you have a friendship with God, and yeah. do you have a real call uh, from Him?" And then I also think it means, "Do you have a." Friendship with each person of the Trinity—the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit—are um, you friends with God? Yeah, I think I have a number of thoughts on this. I will save most of them
0: and offer one. Um, I get the question. I like the question. I'm with you on the on kind of the instinctiveness, as Newman says, and this is fitting for today. Christians don't believe in the Trinity; they they believe in the persons, mm. in relationships, in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, so it's not that's a concept trinity is a concept even the way we talk about god friendship with god just that that feels abstracted very conceptual correct yeah my concern and and wagner kind of does this in the interviews and i i I don't want to i don't want to be too nitpicky theologically but can you have a relationship with just the father i would say no no you can't right or just with the son right or with the spirit and so when when i hear this kind of like who do you pray to? You know, I'm like, oh, be careful, like because sure. they are one, uh, and and especially the Father. You know, being a beloved son of the Father, and some of the language around that, which is really good and really really important. But sometimes I'm like, it almost feels like modalism, uh, where these are you're kind of interfacing with different kind of I don't know, relation relationships. You have a relationship with God, and that's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and I, I get it, but when, when they get separated from each other, things get a little bit. So that's, that's my two yeah. cents on that.
1: No, I, I think that's a good insight, and it's wise. And part of my homily for today has been, uh, when and because you can't separate the Trinity, so in a certain sense, in a very certain sense, when you receive communion, you're also receiving the Father and the Spirit, right? right. Um, now, of course, it's still the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, but you can't separate the Trinity. So yeah, when you pray to God, you you are praying to all three, all three persons. Right. So, and that's a, that's a this is like minutiae stuff.
0: Uh, but it does matter, you know, in terms of like I'm not going to spend my holy hour today praying 20 minutes to the Father, 20 minutes to the Son, 20 minutes to the Spirit. You know what I mean? Totally. You, you can just take this to ad absurdum. Um yeah, that was my my first question you kind of answered it uh was going to be how does the the revelation of Jesus Christ transform or elevate the aristotelian notion of friendship Hmm. and obviously aquinas is going to have that kind of developed but just in general how do you think what's your just first thought on how does the notion of
1: friendship change when god reveals himself as a kind of friendship as a communion i think it's a more intimate reality right we can actually now share our emotions or god can share his emotions with us because he became man so jesus would have experienced sadness. He would have experienced anger. Um, Obviously, he would have experienced all the emotions because the emotions are neutral, but they would not have ever led him to sin. Sometimes our emotions lead us to sin. Uh, Anger, for instance. Uh, Despair, for instance. So um, I think it discloses him to be all the more close to us. And so maybe to go back to that point, I'm surprised I said this. Uh, How did I phrase it? I said, uh, and you kind of picked it out of uh, we could say create the purpose of creation is for friendship, but I think more accurately, the purpose of creation is for God to espouse himself to us. Mm -hmm. It's spousal imagery, which, of course, is still friendship, uh, a type of friendship. Um, Yeah. Does that answer your question? It does. And I think that... um
0: Aristotle's Nicomachean ethics kind of lay the groundwork for what does a society look like? How do you build up families, culture? How do you create civilization? This is the foundation is this, this virtue is kind of the building blocks of it, of friendship and kind of regrounding friendship in that, which is uh, so beautiful and so clear. Hmm. But what do you do with a fallen world where friendships fall apart? Marriages fall apart. People break down. Um, I'm at a point now in life where I'm just kind of like, there are people that I thought would be friends for a lifetime that uh, I will never be friends friends with again. It's Mm -hmm. dangerous to ever use the word never, but very, very likely will not be in in a relationship with. I won't have a friendship anymore. And I think that I feel this temptation to be like, and maybe it's a Christian thing, maybe it's an American thing, I don't know, where it's like you really should be friends with everybody Mm -hmm. And preferably superficial, <laughs> right? Like that's that's kind of what we're looking for—is like everybody superficially friendship, and there are so many complex reasons why these things just don't work. Where you thought this was a true friendship, it was a, it was seasonal, uh, or it ends in trauma and pain. And I, I so I think that Jesus gives this kind of um, unconditional friendship that it, that for me is the grounds of. Uh, the the arena of trying to play this out, which in the concrete is really messy. Hmm. I would say there are very few friendships, if not any, that didn't take a lot of work, and it's usually suffering together that bonds uh, true friendships. I think. Yep. Um, but then people change. Um, and uh, I I've been riffing this idea called therapeutic proportionalism, uh, which is a very fancy term. Proportionalism is a way of evaluating ethical decisions based on um the means justifying the end so it's kind of like what's the least amount of damage i could do and Mm -hmm. sometimes we kill people because we need to get free therapeutic for as an example of this like i i am gonna do this and um what do you if you're the recipient of a bullet in your head uh it's like i i can't go back to that friendship there are some marriages that fall apart that you you can't go back to that. Mm -hmm. And we would never say, well, just get over yourself and work this out. Like sometimes it's just things do fall apart. Um, So I just kind of, I think that Jesus presents the ultimate reality beneath the ideal of Aristotle's vision of friendship, but he does it in a really transformative way. And being a Christian doesn't just kind of uh, supersize all your friendships. Everything doesn't just level up because we're Christian. In fact, it's just the same messy, broken humanity everywhere else. But thank God we have something to ground it in, uh, and that we don't find it in the marriage, in the friendship, in the because for Aristotle, I think the true friendship this is the ideal because you're not in you're not in a relationship with the unmoved mover, right? So this is the highest good in life uh, that you share. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us, it's like, yep. Yeah, but then, but then God, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: So that's a long. <clears throat> No, I think it's a really good thought of like, what do we do with broken <laughs> broken friendships, broken relationships? Um, it seems like you can have falling outs, as we say. And can those ever be reconciled? And certainly we we strive, I think, for reconciliation. Uh, but sometimes I, I'm not always convinced that it is possible, right. as some of the examples you, you hinted and, and gave there. So, I, yeah, I don't necessarily know. Maybe I'm naive on this, but I do think... The lack of virtue really plays into this, right? If I'm not humble enough to maybe receive correction from the other, if I'm not, uh, if I'm too prideful and I'm constantly correcting the other, um, there's lack of virtues there. Um, in virtue, or yeah. All right. Well, while we're taking this kind of
0: down a dark corner, <laughs> I'm going to ask you another question. Okay, that's all right. Go for it. Do you think priests are good
1: at friendship with other priests? Uh, generally speaking, no but I think there are heroic examples out there of men who really try, try hard. And I think two reasons why priests can struggle with this one proximity. We're distant from each other and two competition and jealousy, right? Uh, These people left my parish to go to that priest's parish. Uh, I'm now jealous of that priest because he's taking all my parishioners. Uh, That priest is better looking than me. That's a, Dumb example, you know, but that priest is better looking than me, um, and everyone goes to his parish. Um, now I'm jealous of that, but uh, yeah. So generally, so, so- yeah.
0: So I would agree with you. I think you said it well. Um, lack of virtue, but it's just it's curious to me because as priests, we're supposed to be men of communion. Most priests I know have deep, rich, and beautiful relationships with lay people, and if we were to kind of put every guy in a a room here all the companions in the room and say who is your truest friend it's probably a lay person Hmm. um and it's just been hard Hmm. it's hard to be a brother priest Uh, it's also awesome and so joyful and so amazing and unlike and unlike anything else like uh, the best of lay friends it's just it's just not the same as a brother priest but um yeah friendship among priests like this is i think that there's a lot of spiritual attack not to over spiritualize it but I think the enemy just always wants us to just be at each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Competition, party spirit, jealousies, these things. I also think that we've yet to recreate the circumstances of priestly living, of priestly existence that make it humanly flourish. Mm. And this goes back on my whole diatribe about like, if we're going to keep spreading everybody out and burning them out then guess what? They're, they're going to get worse at doing human things right. such as friendship, especially with each other. Hmm. Um, when you live in a common life your whole life, friendship does develop and that's where I think the companions lays that out in the rule of desires of a particular friendship with every member yeah. um, because we really think that the the brotherhood should kind of flower into friendship. It doesn't always,
1: well, but, I also it, think but it can. It, yeah, in it, Yeah, and hopefully it does. I also think it's Easier to be friends with uh, lay people or your parishioners, no doubt, because they're going to love on you, right? You're ninety nine percent of the time you're the hero, especially as the parochial vicar, yes right? You can do no fun wrong, uncle. the fun uncle. You can do no wrong, and uh if I ever say anything wrong, it's like, yeah, you might get an email, but most of the time it's just like, oh, he's a cute young priest. He doesn't know what he's doing, like, yeah, um, right. And 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 it's easier to be friends in that sense. Like people love you, but. I don't know if it's a true friendship in the sense of like, people are afraid to challenge priests and um, they're afraid to kind of have that more virtuous friendship of challenging the priest towards more virtue. Hopefully the brothers do, but that can be intimidating then, especially if brothers can kind of come after you at times, you know, maybe we're not in a great place or whatever it is, but, uh, but I agree. Yeah. It's the life of brother priests. When we have true friendships, there's nothing that beats that. Yeah. And, Um, we do not talk about confessions just to caveat that (laughs) to make that very clear, but after, um, a night at a penance service, uh, there's no one else in the world who can relate to you after hearing four hours of confession than a brother priest, Right. right? And there's something really profound and beautiful about that. After a long weekend of four or five masses over the course of, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, weddings, funerals, uh, and then your regular Sunday masses, there's no one who can relate to you other than a brother priest. And that's really important to have. It is uh, indispensable. I agree with everything you're saying. So, we've
0: been going a little while, though. We better uh, wrap it up, wrap this up because we got another one
1: to record. Great.
0: Unless you have anything else to
1: say, I don't think so. I think maybe just the encouragement uh, be friends with other people. You need friends in your life. Um, Aristotle even goes as far to say you cannot be happy without friendship. So, have and fun. I would say don't settle. I'm, th- I'm talking to myself here primarily.
0: You get burned and you make vows. I'm never doing this again. I'm never going to let myself be hurt again. I had a beautiful conversation uh, with a friend, Keegan O'Rourke, about this on Friday. Just like a very powerful one of those conversations. I was like, wow, that was like deep. So shout out to Keegan. Uh, But we can't give up. We have to keep fighting for for friendship. We have to keep opening our hearts, even though we get burned. And we also have to, as Gronsky would say, don't kill people, but sometimes you got to bury the dead. Have the courage to bury it, mm-hmm. because you're probably just trying to save face and you're you're trying to uh, um, just hold up the appearances like oh we're all still friends everything's great it's like now sometimes a chapter needs to close mm-hmm. a season needs to end something needs to be buried always with a sense of forgiveness
1: in Christ but yeah amen amen uh well I'll give a shout out okay uh, Pip Dane. <laughs> pip dane i don't know who you are but you sent us some books thanks for the books pip dane father mike is going to read that oscar wilde book and then after the plays and then after he's done i'm going to read them neither one of us have read uh those plays i don't remember which ones you sent but uh we'll read those books you sent so thank you that's good all right thanks shawnee have a
0: happy rainy sunday wait where's your shout out oh i said keegan Oh, okay. uh, and then I'll also give a shout out to Tracy O'Hara, who's a CNA at Craig, who is a listener. So thanks, Tracy. And thanks for your work at Craig Hospital, one of the most amazing places ever. So
1: grateful for her. Awesome. Thanks for listening to Catholic Stuff. You should know Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, corrections. <laughs> and uh, hopefully we'll get back to you. God bless everyone. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. See you next week.